There is nothing, absolutely nothing, like being able to serve yourself food when you need it. And that's what On Demand is about. You get to sit down at the Word of God when you can, when you're off work, when you have free time, and allow God to speak to you. So you're here with me today to have an On Demand journey. So join me today for a message that will unlock truth in your life and give you peace and blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy today's message. Can you repeat the title of the message together with me? I think you can say it along with me. It's there on the paper there. Uh, don't say the OBF part. That's just me writing that down. Unless I wrote it on yours. I don't know. How dreams are fulfilled. Come on. How dreams are fulfilled. Ah. There was a young boy about nine years old. His name was Jimmy. That was his, his family name. Got a little late one night after dinner, and mom says, you need to go on to bed. So he went upstairs and went to his room, and he saw a light coming into his window. So he walked up, and he stared up into the sky, and he was marveling. About 30 minutes after mom sent him upstairs, uh, she came into the room, and I said, Jimmy, Jimmy, what are you doing? He's still staring, staring out the window. He said, Mom, I am looking at the moon. Oh, it's so beautiful. And she says, okay, uh, son, kind of go on to bed now, okay? Uh, appreciate you. She said, no, Mom, Mom, you don't understand. One day, I'm going to go to that up there. This is in 1950. It was impossible. There was not even Sputnik back then. I'm going to go up there, and my feet are going to touch. I'm going to walk on that up there. It's a crazy dream. Time passes 32 years later. James Irwin, one of the 12 only people on the history of this planet, planted his foot down in Tranquility Base. Somebody turned me on and wanted to hear me again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's how it sounded, huh? All right. They don't know how to hit it. There's somebody who don't know what they're doing with the technology. Somebody help them out over there. Oh, help them out. Help them out. Trying to give me some background music. Praise the Lord. Yeah. He stood on the surface of the moon. Now, if somebody can do something like that, when it was completely, technologically, totally impossible. Everybody think you're out of your mind. What can he do for you? He can fulfill your dreams. And that's what our series is about. I've listened to the last, watched the last two messages. And it's going to be so powerful next year. It's like, this is like the, the loading ramp. The ramp up, not me, but, the, you know, Pastor Rick began in December, which is a great idea to do that. Someone once said, a man can live three weeks without food, three days without water, three minutes without air. But he can't live three seconds without hope. Not even three seconds I've been hopeless and I'm still alive. No, you were dead while you were not hoping. Amen on that one too. Praise the Lord. Life just kind of ends. If you don't have anything to hope for, I want to say, what are you living for? You ought to live to be resurrected again, to have hope again. I'm going to have hope 
all my life. And nobody can take it from me. You can't take my hope until that blessed hope of the appearing of my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be trying to do something to make a difference for my family, for my church, my friends, you my family too, and for as many people as I possibly can. That's what the devil don't want, so that's what I want. He can't stop me. No doubt you have uh, witnessed those who have lost belief. Life will never work out. Shoulders start dropping, right? They start looking down. And they just walk away from the dreams. Or at best, they go through the motions. Is that true for you? Previous message Pastor Rick gave, one of them, he mentioned the text in Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The, the uh, 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 Christian English version says, not getting what you want can break your heart, but a wish that comes true is a life-giving tree. Isn't that true? The good news uh, translation, when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. But a wish that comes true fills you with joy. You ever heard anybody say, I love it when a plan come together? You know what I'm saying? Everything was so complicated. Looked like it wasn't going to work out. High risk for failure. But you put stuff together and the right people at the right time kind of came and boom, you just feel like you're soaring. God built that into you. He squirts some of that dopamine into you. Whew, you don't need no drugs. You just go for it. And God, you got all the drugs you need inside of you. Your mission is to find out what it takes to see your dreams come true. You need to find out for yourself. You ain't got to blow a horn or draw some picture. But there's something living inside of you that you know you said you wanted to do. You wanted to be. You wanted to improve. Why are you sitting around? Go do something. Get it done. And do everything required of you. Leave nothing out so that your journey will come to fulfillment. Let's talk about dreams and the will of God. We have all heard, and pretty often we've heard this, I'm going to challenge you just a touch that we must find, say find, we must find God's will for our lives. And I say X on that one. Oh, you can say it too. Say X. Even if you don't believe it, say X. I'm going to convince you in a minute here. I'm going to show you. Find God's will. Hmm. You can get lost sometimes looking for God's will because it ain't out here somewhere. Where are you going to find it for? Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 17, I think it's verse 21, he says, the kingdom of God is within you, and everything in the kingdom is in you, your dreams and all. What you looking out there for? What you looking around for? It's inside of you. While it is true that God has a major theme in mind for your, your life, it's not so certain that we get it by finding it. Could it be true? That God's dream for you is already programmed inside of you. 
already in the software. And what you need to do is position yourself properly to avoid, uh, to allow, position yourself properly to allow it to unfold. Listen, on its own. You position yourself so that it will unfold on its own. You ever seen a self-respecting acorn out there talking about, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Everybody around knows what that nut doesn't know. <laughs> and maybe we're the nuts because that nut doesn't stand around trying to figure life out. If an acorn dreams anything, if, if it dreams of being planted in the right spot, and planted at the proper depth to take advantage of sunshine and temperature and rain, nourishment, just get in the right place. If it dreams, it says, somebody stomp me in the ground. You know, it dreams about that. And all of this is, by the way, beyond its control. There's so many things beyond your control, but man, there's some stuff you can do. To position yourself. That's what I want to do. Mark chapter 4 verse 27 says, The farmer, listen to this now, sleeps at night and is up and around during the day. Listen, yet the seeds keep sprouting and growing. He doesn't understand how. But if you stood around trying to figure out how this thing is supposed to grow and not do anything, not going to happen now. I just have to go ahead and eat the seed. It's one of your last meals. But if you throw it out there, you might have meals for, for years to come. Take a risk. Throw it out there. For years to come, it could feed you and your family and the world around you. We depend on them not to be sitting around contemplating their navels, trying to figure out how seed's supposed to grow. Let's talk about what it takes. There are many things we can't control. But thankfully, there's one critical area in your life in which you are in the driver's seat. What kind of car you want to drive? That's the one you're in, see? Oh, man, I can think of a car. I got it in my head. I ain't going to say nothing about it. But ooh, I'm not going to own it. I don't want it. But I've been thinking about it. I can take a little trip. I can rent it, you know, and think about it, right? Man, you're in the driver's seat. In your life, nobody can stop you. Stop blaming the culture. Stop. Stop it. Stop blaming people other than yourself. Mahatma Gandhi said something like this. The person who's in bondage ought to be ashamed that they are if they don't do anything to try to get themselves out. One critical area, it is the condition of your heart. What about your heart? Is your heart right with God? Are you right after you've made your heart right with God? Are you right with your heart? Are you following your heart or are you following your emotions? Are you following people? Are you following fear? I saw my mother laying in a very pretty bed, the prettiest bed she ever been in her life, all white on with a pretty face. I looked down in, that, in that, that, that casket and I said, there is nothing that can intimidate me now. 
this is the big one. And I will survive this. And nothing and no one on earth will stop me. My mother and my father had dreams for my life. For all seven of us kids. They gave up all kind of stuff. I don't have the luxury of talking about I'm scared. What you talking about? You scared. You better get up and do something. Sounded like my daddy just now. <laughs> Condition of your heart. It's not, it's not, is this not what Jesus was explaining to us in this parable? The parable of the sower and the seed. I love this one. You know what he said about this parable? He said, you don't understand this parable? Well, how can you understand any? He said, if you don't understand this, how God's word works in your heart, stop listening to the rest of them. It's right there in the book. Not making it up. So we need to spend time in Mark chapter 4, digging around, finding out what God has for us if we just find ourselves in the right place with him. Just like that nut out there that the squirrel's looking around for. One of them escaped and became a mighty oak tree. You going to be one? Mark 4, 14 through 20. I'll take it pieces at a time. Now, see, as we move forward, we have to avoid three attitudes. The first three, all right? That's a hint. All right, this, I'm going to let you cheat on the test. The first three, don't do them. Fourth one, have at it. Be greedy about that one, okay? Here we go. It starts right here. First one is lack of interest. Verse 14, the farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. Seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come when? At once. Say it strong. At once. Didn't give him even no time to put the shoes on. At once he comes and he takes the dream away. Is that you? You're not interested in it. When you are not interested, the world will take you off your track. And then you will wind up doing the will of God for somebody else's life. They will suck you into their vision for their lives. Now, I know that the will of God for my, my life is intertwined in the will of God for this church and my church. I'm from here. And so uh, the wills can be all intertwined, but don't go do somebody else's job of it. Be absolutely who you are. Lack of interest. You've got to be interested. If you're not interested in what you're doing, either get interested or find something else to get interested in. Lack of interest. Number two, shallow engagement. Seed on the rocky soil, verse 16, represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Woo! Hallelujah. Thanks to the Lord, Pastor. Glory to God. Go for it. Verse 17 says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last. They don't last. They give up. They don't last. Sun scorches them. The parable said they're too shallow and they go away. They don't last long. They fall away as soon. Listen, not immediately, but as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Don't let anybody. 
What did the old folks say? They're still saying it. Don't take down. You holiness, you know. That's what they say. We don't say that as Baptists, good respecting Baptists and Methodists and stuff, which I was. Lack of interest, see? Shallow engagement. Third, distracted attention. All of these can be sermons by themselves. But I don't have that kind of time. I'm watching the clock. <laughs> the seed that fell among the thorns represents the others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life. Listen to this. The lure of wealth. Did it say wealth? Say no. Say no. That was one of the words, but that's what it was saying. It said the what of wealth? Fish, the fish did not go for the lure. Still be alive today. See? The lure. There are great things about having wealth in your life. In fact, there is no one in this room who is not. Ooh, that's a lot of double, double negatives. You are wealthier than most people on earth. How's that? We have a mission to Zimbabwe. You know what the currency is worth? Almost absolutely zilch nothing. You can get. I heard. Maybe a billion dollars of Zimbabwe's money. Billion Zimbabwe dollars. And have probably about 17, 20 dollars. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. And I talked to our connection there. It says the inflation is going rampant still. They're actually working on the U.S. dollar. They use our currency. So we've been helping them monthly. I mean, you're rich. You got roads you can ride on. That's part of, that's your stuff. Just don't dig it up. That's all our stuff. Sitting here in climate control, those people stand up outside. You are wealthy, but it's, it's, the, it's the deceitfulness of it that will kill you. Suck you away from God's will for your life. I'm going to work four jobs so I can, man, slow down. Three jobs is too many, I'm thinking. Now, there are times when you got a goal, you just go for it for a while with the consent of your family. But man, something eventually ain't too good about that. All right. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things, whatever that is. So no fruit is produced. Lack of interest, shallow engagement, distracted attention. Stay away from them. Here's the one you need to zero in on. A committed attitude. When you get the dream, commit yourself. That's a strong word. Say committed. Committed is what you have to be. Have an attitude that says, I'm going to win. Verse 20, and the seed that fell on the good soil uh, represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of, listen, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Man, I would like to buy that stock. Why well, I got to buy it? I've already been bought by Jesus, and I already got the stock. Bam, 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 boom. You got it too. He said that your stuff ought to be mushrooming exponentially if you just stay in there. Avoid these devils, lack of interest, shallow engagement, distracted attention, Fight it with everything, trust God with it, and commit yourself, 
and you're going to see things multiply. Man, I tell you, I started that horn. My eyes was about to bug out, and I was about to give up the first day. My lips started getting all like hamburger. It was bad. I made two or three days and stuff. And I said, man, I don't. And I, could not, I couldn't bring myself to say I quit. That was a $500 horn. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> that was the first time I had. I can't even tell you how much this would cost. You wouldn't believe it. I figured out, well, I didn't give up, so I'm going to reward myself, get me a real decent one. You can come and look at it after church if you don't, you know, don't take it out. <laughs> My horn. Personal reference. Regarding a focused, committed family culture, I know, I know that our family, our brothers and sisters, we've been blessed. We were blessed. My mother and father committed themselves to creating a culture where we could thrive socially with each other, academically. I don't know, somewhere I read, there's a school on the other side of town, East Broad Street, named after my daddy. Bam, what? It's crazy. That's crazy. What is his name doing up there? He's a country boy. We were in Woodbine, Georgia. There were six kids at that time. I was about 13, my brother still 14, and uh, someone from here, Dr. Clifford Hardwick, and about two other people came down to judge the science fair. You just never know when your breakthrough is coming. They judged his science fair. He was a principal, and they were looking, and, and they saw how that school was run. My daddy's philosophy, firm, you know it, girl, Mayetta, uh, Dr. Mayetta, <clears throat> firm but fair. That was him. Biggest joke on the planet. Can't you tell? I got some of it from it. And but strong, you will get it or you almost might die. I almost died a couple of times. <laughs> I'm gonna get into that, man. Start jerking and stuff, thinking about he meant that thing. All right. But he also taught us to love. They both taught us to love learning. He was number one in his. Can I brag on my daddy and my mama? Nobody else gonna do it. I'm gonna go ahead. He was number one in his high school class. My mama number one in hers. We were in trouble. We were in trouble. But they loved to learn. They taught us how to love to learn. My brother Sylvester, some of y'all know him. What a character. He, uh, he was four and a half years old. And uh, my grandma, who taught from the age of 16, first and second grade, just took him along with her to school. He didn't, couldn't register for school, but he sat in there and foot couldn't even, foot couldn't even touch the ground, just sitting in a desk. And he was absorbing stuff. That boy learned how to read along with everybody else. He would come home. I'm one year younger. And he said, Greg, come here. Okay, I'm toddling around. All right. Turn that chair around. Oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. We turned the chair around. Kneel down right there. Sil was always bossing me. We knelt down there. And he said, this is a book called Alice and Jerry. I said, Okay. He said, that's an A right there. Say A, A. Now, when you say A, sometimes you got to say A or A, all right? That's what you do. And sometimes you say, uh, whatever, okay, I'll do that. Now, this is an L. Say, L, L, L. Now, L, uh. And a little bit of the time, every day he brought a little piece of the time home. I am three and a half years old. He teaches me how to read. The culture was established already. And now it's starting to flow. See? 
The Don, Iris, Jenny, Mina, Cress, a bunch of us. Three bunk beds and a baby bed. That's how it worked. <laughs> and, uh, and so it just flowed through the family. Everybody wanted to do good because we liked the way my daddy, you know, he was five foot nine, but he wanted to be seven foot 14, right? When we did good things, he straightened his coat up and he stood up. And that meant something to us. Ooh, I want to see him do it again. So we tried again. Good job, son. Except when I made that D that time. I won't talk about that either. But my fault, it was the teacher's fault, always the teacher's fault. I knew I wasn't going to bring them in there no more. And before you know it, now see, we were down in, in Woodbine, and they recruited him to Savannah. Country boy, he didn't know. They gave him the worst school in town. He didn't know. I ain't going to call the name up. It was the worst school in town. It was bad. They had gangs before gangs was cool over there on the east side. I'll just leave it like that. And man, he said, what if I got here? Might as well tell you now, he's going to heaven now. His boy had a gun in his desk. He was, he was so scared of them kids. This is junior high. Junior high is what they call it, kids. He said, they ain't going to kill me. If somebody got to die, it can't be me. I got kids and a wife. <laughs> I am told by, do y'all know Mr. Walter Simmons? Some of y'all. He told us that it was the worst performing school in town. And when he left, it was one of the best performing. That was the kind of man he was, right? And uh, so we got it. He, he moved to Savannah, not to just come to the big city. He got these kids, man, they got to go to college. There's no option. We got to come. We knew Savannah State was here. I didn't know. He knew it. We didn't know. Just get in the car and head to Beverly. That's all we knew. Just get in the car. <laughs> and this big old town got two-story buildings and stuff and three and four. Woo, goodness. And, um, and, you know, we were set for Savannah State. Savannah State is a fine institution. And it will take you anywhere you got to go in this world. I know that. I know it. But not one of us went to Savannah State. He said, no, 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 son. Since we're here, and we did well enough to get some scholarships, it costs less to go to Minnesota, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New Jersey. You ever heard of Princeton? You ever heard of Yale? I didn't go to them school. <laughs> but two of my siblings did. You know, all far flung. He said, get out of town. Go to something unfamiliar. Be scared. Go do it. This was the culture. And he believed we could do it. They believed we could do it. And that's not, see, you might not have had that option. But can I tell you the good news about your dreams? Please don't come to me and say, listen, according to that parable, there's little to no hope for me, right? I don't have that stuff. I didn't have the advantage of parents who created a culture like that around me. What if I wasn't born in a household that nurtured me like yours? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, somewhere I read, therefore, can you read that with me? You got it? Read that with me, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Come on, let's read it. Therefore, if it say anyone, come on. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Don't worry about all that. What you need to worry about is the condition of your heart where you stand right now in relation to your dream and just lean forward. I don't care if you fall forward, but if you fall, fall down going forward. 
in your life. And tell your kids to do the same thing. This stuff works, man. Oh, brother can get riled up over this stuff. The Weymouth New Testament has an interesting way of putting it. So if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Listen to this. The old state of things has passed away. The, the new state of things has come into existence. That's you he's talking about. Create the culture for somebody around you. When God designed you, he created a platform. A platform on which you could reach your goals. Listen, so you could get to where you want to go precisely from where you are sitting right now. Right there. Got to wait on nothing? Start now. God said to Moses, Moses is crying out to God at the Red Sea. And he says, why are you crying out to me? What you got in your hand? What that got to do with anything? Uh, can I say freaking in church? <laughs> I guess I did. A freaking stick. He said, raise up that stick. And crazy stuff happened. The sea opened up. The song says, what's that you have in your hand? What you got? What you got? You got everything you need. You can choose to pray. You can choose to dream. Nobody can take that from you. You can choose to think. You can choose to prepare. You can choose to schedule. Put it on the schedule and do something. And tell somebody you're doing it. And just keep doing it even if it fails. Keep on. Failure is great. You know what not to do the next time. Man, I failed a lot. I figured out what I shouldn't do. You can choose also good soil in which to be planted. Let me conclude. So what should you do to position yourself? You have a lot of advantages over an acorn out there in the, in the, in the, in the yard. You know what you do? First thing, expose yourself to those who are already doing what you're doing. I walked up to that guy across the room, scared to death. You know, I, I just I slid into it sideways. You know where I can get a horn from? <laughs> you know where I can get some lessons? It was up to him. He was in control. I said, bingo, I got you now. Give me your phone number. I got you now. And I still, you know, kind of, he advises me. Expose yourself. Ask for help. Don't be so proud. Ask for help. Ask and you shall receive. Isn't that what the Bible says? You have not? Come on. Oh, y'all need to be up here preaching to me. Have not because you ask not. Get started. Just get started. Today, do something little, very small, and today, do that same thing, very small, and the next day, just, just don't go for the fence yet, just a little at a time. I'm telling you, that's how I learned that horn with my hamburger lips. I just kept going. I'm not going to give up. And something started clicking. It started clicking after a while. Now, I'm trying to get to, I'm going to do the fast hand stuff later. I'm about, what, when I come in about 10 years, um, it's going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to do the fast. I'm going to have to even think about it. See, I'm going to just do it. Get started. Establish a rhythm. Just a rhythm. That's all you need, rhythm. Just keep going. Just keep going. Expect a challenge. You watched the movie Harriet. How many of y'all seen Harriet yet? What the rest of y'all waiting on? Go see that. That's your history. They, talk, they were talking about putting that woman's picture on a dollar. Over 100 years after she died. That was a life. But suppose... 
One day she walked up with her raggedy clothes, walked up to Massa. I said, Massa, I'm leaving. Matter of fact, I'm leaving today. Got my little stuff packed up. And when I leave, I ain't coming back. I might write you. I don't know. Master say, please, don't go. I'm going to miss you. Will you come back and visit sometime? What kind of movie is that? You will get up and walk out. The movie of your life is the same way. You need resistance. You need a challenge. You need something pushing against you. You need a devil telling you, you can't do it. Lying to you, laughing at you. You hear it on the inside. You need resistance. You won't do a thing unless you are pushed, challenged. God got it for you. Expect the challenge. Look at it as an adventure. And then keep reminding yourself of who you are. Don't forget it. And believe the Lord has your back. He's got your back. I love the last verse here, Psalm 27. Can you read that out loud with me as you stand up on your feet? Can you read that out loud with me? Oh, let's read it together. Come on. The Lord. Let, do real loud. You ready? Let's do it loud. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nobody. Somebody look at somebody and say, nobody, nobody, nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Nobody, nobody, nobody. You can do it. You can do it. This ain't the last thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do some more stuff in my life. Matter of fact, I decided I love God's word so much, and I'm not saying this should be for you. I decided I was going to read the Bible once a year, stem to stern, as they say, Genesis to Revelation, from end to amen. I was going to read it every year. I started back in 1995, I think. And I said... You know what? I feel pretty good about this. I'm going to read it two times a year. And I'm getting feeling my oats, right? And then eventually, after a year or two went by, I said, you know what? Talking to myself. Hey, self, you know what? I'm going to read this. Th- I'm going to catch up with my age. I was 41 when I started this. I'm going to catch up with my age. Are you out of your mind? Do you know you get older every year, son? So I guess I have to read it three times a year. So I calculated it. I said, I'll be 63 years old. Ooh, Lord, I was 41. That's old. But I'm going to keep on doing it. Do you know I caught up with it on my 63rd birthday? I have read the Bible. I'm 65 now. And my birthday coming up in February, I will have read it 66 times by my birthday. I'm going to read it once a year for the rest of my life. Why not? Why can't I do it? I can do what I want to do. You can do it too. You can do it too. You can do whatever you need to do. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your children. I ask you to bless the name of Jesus. May we dream again and again and again. There may be someone here, Father, who has not caught a hold of God's dream yet for salvation. You have not given your heart to Jesus. With everyone's head still bowed, their eyes closed in a reverent, prayerful attitude. Are you here and you're saying, I want to start a life with Jesus? Are you saying, I want to know God like that? I want to become a Christian. I want to be born again. That sounds so high for me, but I want to get started. If that's you, friend, right here under the sound of my voice, hear me. You, if Your heart got to be reacting right now. You ain't got to feel stuff, but you know that God's talking to you right there where you are. You have the courage and the humility right there where you stand to simply slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Greg. Raise your hand if that's you here. I'm looking around this room. Raise your hand. I want to start out. Say, you've got courage, man. I see you. Clap your hands. Could you clap for him? I saw you. Is anybody else? I want to start a life with Jesus now, today. Anyone else? You know, there is joy in heaven over one. They turned whatever they got pews over in heaven. They turn them over in heaven. One person. And they are cheering him on right now. Can we pray together? Can you touch the hand of the person next to you? Don't squeeze it too hard now. And don't be too dead fish either. All right? And we're going to pray together. Now, brother, we're going to drown you out, but God's going to hear you. Can you pray with me? Oh, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. He came to save my life from eternal death. I received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. And I know that I have determined that I will walk with Him every day for the rest of my life. I won't turn back. In the name of Jesus, I say with my own mouth that He is Lord. I believe in my heart that you have raised Him from the dead. And that same resurrection is what raised me. Thank you for saving me today. In the name of Jesus, I am a child of God. Clap your hands for him and say amen in the house. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's message. I pray that it lifted you up. You know, the Bible said the word of God can go down to the very marrow of the bone. It can reach into the very deep parts of your soul. And I hope you were blessed today. If you like the message, it helped you. Link it and send it to a friend. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I pray that God will use this word to bless you and many others. You have a blessed day. God bless.